Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. to another edition of the Baltimore B-Town podcast. It is Friday. Friday rolling. We should trademark that. I don't think any other podcasts do that, but Friday rolling here on a December 20th, and we have a special interview for you guys coming up and a special mailbag and analysis piece coming up for you guys. So jam-packed episode here for you to take you into the weekend. Yes, sir. We had Mr. Mark Sessler on the other day to talk Browns. Uh, we have Dakid Gowie on today, who kind of gives us just the social media presence. He's a funny, funny, funny dude. Uh, so we got to speak with him, and we'll get into how we think this game's going to play out, and maybe a little bit of the implications that could follow, depending on how things go. And uh, yeah, so we can get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So you got a mailbag to open over there, Chief? Yes, sir. We are going to start out this week's mailbag. We just got one in. Uh, This is a little peek into the future from the five-time gold glover, Adam Jones 357, who says, we want blood. Yes, we do, Adam. Yes, we do. Lamar versus Mahomes, round three in our house. Who are you taking in the AFC championship? For me, I mean, I think that there is, at this point, and Jake and I both said, you know, we didn't feel this was a Super Bowl team, but at this point, I don't think any other team will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I don't think the Patriots have the offensive line. They usually start running the ball like crazy in, you know, December and January into February all of a sudden. I just don't think the Patriots can run the ball well enough and kind of compete. I think that their defense is really freaking good, but 
the Chiefs just beat them. The Ravens beat them. Those are going to be tough matchups. The, Raven, the Patriots don't have the one seed locked up. Um, so, I mean, if that leads to AFC Championship, Ravens, Chiefs, the Ravens are due for that game. But still, like, the Chiefs are so freaking good. Mahomes is so good. I mean, they're able to beat the Vikings with Matt Moore. Um, and I truly am a little, you know, scared of playing the Chiefs. But the Ravens are due to beat them. And I'm sure that they are chomping at the bit to get the opportunity to play the Chiefs. I'm sure Lamar wants to win that one. He seems like a dude that, well, he is a dude that, you know, kind of feeds off of that hearsay and doubters and all that good stuff. So I'm sure he would absolutely relish the opportunity to play the Chiefs. Um, so, I mean, if they ha- they have to come here into Baltimore, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl on the line, the Ravens already won a playoff game. That means that they're still rolling at that point, and they kind of were able to go through the bye and, and keep going. I'm going to take the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I don't like to get too far ahead of myself with this stuff, but if I had to pick a team right now, it would be Baltimore. And yeah, I have had my doubts with this team in the past, but I think they have kind of pretty much squashed all of them at this point. Uh, but, you know, you got to give respect to the other heavyweights in the AFC. I mean, the Chiefs are a very strong team. They just added a player that we're very familiar with who's going to help shore up that front seven for them. Uh, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league in my mind still. Uh, Lamar's, you know, entered that conversation, I guess. But it's a whole different conversation. Um, and, you know, the Patriots, like, people are writing them off right now, and I get why. Like, it's they're a tough watch, but this is literally the conversation, the exact conversation we were having 365 days ago probably and they just turned it on in the playoffs and they found a way to win the Super Bowl so I'm never going to count them out until they are absolutely dead and buried as far as like the whole conversation that some Chiefs fans seem to be interested in having that oh well we're the only one of two teams that you know went in there or you know beat them it was in their house and everything but for me I feel like a team beating another team earlier in the season that's sometimes looked at as a positive right like you know they beat us now it's our time, you know, turn to kind of especially if it's, you know, on the road, like the Ravens lost on the road. Right. Yeah. And it's like the idea is like, OK, it's in our house now. It's our turn to kind of show you what we got. and We're going to come out and win this thing. So I think I don't know, like for me, the fact that the Chiefs have already beaten them doesn't really, you know, hold a ton of water for me, especially since you're talking about two very different Ravens teams. But yeah, if I had to pick, I, I'd say the Ravens. But you got to give respect where it's due for those other two AFC heavyweights, I think. And who knows? Deshaun Watson's amazing. He could get hot. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is in the midst of his breakout year that we were all expecting five years ago, but Hey, you know, you never know. Right. And that game was crazy. I mean, there was no Tyreek Hill. The Ravens didn't have obviously half the defenders that they have now. So it's, it's two different teams and it would be a really exciting matchup. I think that would be the best matchup for the NFL in the AFC championship game. The two, Yeah. Like the two new young guys, like if you're a casual football fan, even like the like most Al casual football fan, like Al you're watching that game. Like Al Pacino? Like Al Pacino? Yes, exactly. This um, you're, kid, you're watching- Lamar Jackson, he is tremendous. When he I watch him, I feel something point. deep within my loins that I have not felt in 20 years. Hoo-ah, hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. Um, Continue. Yeah, I think you just can't – you can't not watch that game. Like, if you remotely pay attention to football at all, it's Chiefs-Ravens. That's the premier matchup, I think, that can come out of the AFC for sure. Mahomes, Jackson, MVP, MVP, 20, what is Mahomes, 24, Lamar will be 23 at that point. And that's the potential, I mean, two top dogs for some time to come, uh, it's it's looking like. Because, I mean, how many quarterbacks have had a season like Mahomes had last year or Jackson's having this year and then really fallen off? 
immediately after. It just doesn't happen like that. Uh, but yeah, so we shall see. Next one, a foot. I, he says, I can't see Roman leaving because he can't get better than what he has here in Baltimore. Um, mm, I mean, it depends on what he wants. We don't know what he wants. That's that's the thing. I mean, that is what it comes down to. But I mean, we were speaking of having this conversation in a different time period. We we're having this conversation in 2014 and Gary Kubiak verbally committed to staying to the Ravens to the Baltimore media. And then his dream job opened up. So it's all about situation. Like if Roman you know, finds that he has a situation that he would like as a head coach, then I wouldn't begrudge him going and taking, you know, the opportunity because he hasn't gotten any in his career yet. And it's felt like he's been underappreciated wherever he's gone. And even with the successes that he had in like San Francisco, he didn't get any opportunities then. He didn't get any in Buffalo because he was, you know, hitched to the Rex Ryan train wreck. This is, you talk about best opportunities and best situations. Like this is the best opportunity he's probably going to have to get a head coaching job. So you got to consider everything, uh, you know, in the fact in, you know, in the whole situation. So what jobs are open? We've got Carolina, Carolina, Washington. That, that could be a good job. Carolina, Carolina could, could be a, be a job great job. Her. Yeah. And that it sounded like, like Tepper might be interested in a guy like Roman. Right. So if Roman consider if, even if he does want to be a head coach, He's going to want the right situation. I think that he is comfortable in Baltimore. He knows he will do well again next year. I mean, the Ravens are bringing their entire offense back. So it's going to be, I mean, maybe not quite as prolific. Things change year to year, but definitely will be a very good offense. He has caught kind of the attention of everyone around him. So if he feels there's a good opportunity and he does want to be a head coach, he's, see ya, thank you for everything you did for me, John Harbaugh. I, it's my time to shine now. And he absolutely deserves that. I mean, who, who wouldn't? with the success that and Roman's don't and don't hold it against him if he leaves i mean don't do that you know what i mean people will, people will. that's just whatever. yeah i get that they will but no. that should be on the ravens to prepare for him leaving because that's what happens when you have a good offensive coordinator these days he's gone exactly uh, but there's also another world where maybe he doesn't like the carolina job or carolina doesn't like him and uh, a couple more i'm sure there'll be at least five probably head coaching jobs that open up as he seems like there's four or five at the minimum every year and maybe he doesn't like any of the situations and is like all right i'll be fine i can go somewhere next year um because it to doesn't be, feel yeah like, like know, he he, some- he was talking to the media today i think and he was very he almost got like emotional talking about like the john harbaugh culture that's been built uh over knowing mills so i mean that's something to consider right. Right. He loves it. And I mean, it is we've said it before. It's a coordinator's paradise for someone who truly loves X's nose and maybe doesn't want to be the CEO, the, the president, the guy who's in the media spotlight taking the most hits. Coordinator's paradise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm loopy tonight, man. I'm sick. I'm been banging Dayquil all day. It's. There we go. Dayquil will mess you up. Weirder than NyQuil because I don't know. I think it's kind of sick. I was sitting there at work actually like kind of having a good day even though I'm (laughs) not feeling – Like singing to yourself or something weird? I actually was. I was belting out some Christmas tunes. It was was a good day. You're just like going on Excel and you're like, Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, yeah. Don't – don't yeah, like fuck me up with those Excel spreadsheets while I'm singing some uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we'll see. Uh, Angela Hester chimes in. Lamar has officially reached rock star status. Al Pacino selling out merchandise. Sick. I love the Al Pacino shout out there, too. It was great. That was awesome. Uh, three tones. If we clinch this weekend, are you worried about the two week buy before the divisional? No, that's a good thing. 
Uh, I think it's a good thing. I think they need to be preparing right now to make sure that they stay mentally sharp, that they stay physically on top of where they need to be, because there's something to be said for rolling on a 10 game win streak and then just kind of stopping play. I think there's something there. It doesn't worry me per se, but it's just something that they need to keep their eyes on because we have seen teams come out flat after buys before John Harbaugh, not known for doing it. So on that sense, I'm confident in them, but it's something that does need to be considered, but don't be overly concerned about it. Right. Last time they had a buy they in the playoffs, they won a game um, and then lost in Nangland in a game. They should have won. Right. Yeah. They had a couple chances to win slash tie there. Uh, so no, I'm not worried. Recently, the last couple of years, it's it's pretty much been the ones and the twos making it to the Super Bowl. I believe that the Ravens have enough veteran leadership with guys like Earl Thomas, Jimmy Smith, uh, Bynes, Brandon Williams, you know, Marshall Yonda, guys that can keep the team motivated through and through. And I think that as much praise as they're starting to get now, truly, they're still. Again, it, it's only been four months, three months, really since week four where people were doubting this team and, you know, questioning everything and talking the same shit that they have been talking since the Chargers loss. And they have such a sour taste in their mouth since that Chargers game, I think. I mean, Lamar is absolutely motivated. The team is absolutely motivated to go execute. And Roman has experience as a play caller in the biggest game that's happened, the 49ers game. And he really, I mean, he brought that team back. Uh, He completely changed in the second half what the 49ers were doing offensively and brought them roaring back into a game that was against four Hall of Fame defenders um, and had a chance to win there at the end. So, I mean, they have a head coach with playoff experience, a defensive coordinator who's been around the block, and then an offensive coordinator who's had a ton of playoff experience. Um, So I think they're in a very good position. And like uh, we kind of get into or we just got into about the Kansas City thing, I think it's the Chiefs or the Ravens reaching the Super Bowl. I think they'll represent the AFC. Uh, but moving on, Fernando, Tatito, Capistran. If Roman leaves, do you think Kubiak or would you like Kubiak? Both Kubiak and Roman come from Walsh's tree. Uh, I mean, it's like weird. Kubiak has health problems and wasn't really even able to like, I don't know. He implemented like the zone rushing play action attack for the Vikings. and They've done well, but I want someone who's going to continue with what Roman has in this RPO play action, modern progressive offense. I mean, we kind of talked about this. I feel like Cully is the guy right now. Um, But yeah, I don't know if Kubiak would necessarily be a fit for what they're trying to do here. He is going to be a guy who's going to get you some good rushing stats, but you mentioned the health problems. I mean, I kind of want Kubiak to just have a nice couple of years here as an assistant or like executive vice president of football operations or whatever he's doing and then just retire. Cause he's a good guy and I want to see him, uh, not necessarily placed in too high stress of a situation. But right. I also like, we were talking about Anthony Lynn the other day and like, if he does get fired, he'd be intriguing to me because he was with Roman there in Buffalo when they were getting a lot out of Tyrod Taylor as the run game coordinator. Right. So if they do go for the outside hire, Lynn would be a guy I'm looking at. But uh, for me, Cully is the guy right now. You think Lynn's getting canned? I don't know if he necessarily is, but it feels like Philip Rivers could be gone after this year. And if he does, and like they've got all this other shit going on with like the not being able to draw fans, it's like maybe they just kind of gut the thing. But yeah, it's not my necessarily my instinct that he's going to be, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know what I mean? Especially with the way that the teams just like can guys left and right. And the Spanos. I just had a vision of Trevor Lawrence in a Chargers uniform. Maybe, yeah. Cam Newton, maybe. That would make sense too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Anthony Lynn's a great coach, so I would be all hands on deck for that one. And like you said, he's familiar with all that stuff and is definitely an extremely well-prepared coach. Uh, Nico Cantalupo, 98, our boy, Nico says, Cantalupo. 
Nico Cantelope says, let's avenge this that loss this weekend, boys. Flock gang, yes, you know that I want it. You know that Jake wants it. We want to eliminate the Browns, which we'll get into, from playoff contention and clinch up that one seed nice and early. It'll be a lovely Christmas present. Uh, Dono Edwards 2020. Chuck Clark is a future pro bowler. Maybe, but he would have to like it would have to come in his second contract. Like that's exactly how it happened for Tony Jefferson. Like he didn't really get any kind of national buzz until it was like his contract year. And, and like the smart football people were kind of starting to talk about him and it, it caught up to him. And then he left Arizona. He came here and, you know, he's been a nationally recognized guy. So I think it's going to have to be on that second contract. But it's tough. Like strong safety is not a stats stuffing, you know, position to exactly. begin with. And he's like more of a traffic cop, too. He's not a guy who's going to be making a ton of splash plays. So maybe I'd love to see it as a six-round pick and a homegrown guy, but uh, we'll see. I think he's incredibly solid. I think he's a really good player. He's been in great positions. We've seen how the defense has excelled with him calling plays. Um, But like you just said, it's tough as a box safety if you don't kind of come into the league with a Jamal Adams reputation or like you're not some high draft pick as a box safety, like a Landon Collins, those kind of guys. But let's say, I mean, he turns in an 80 tackle, you know, three interception. He blitzes so freaking much, four sacks, two forced fumbles, something like that. And starts, you know, kind of the Baltimore media kind of makes a ripple. Let's say the Ravens have a really good defense and he starts getting acclaim as, you know, kind of the leader and the play caller. Maybe it happens. But again, I just think it's tough as a box safety and someone who's, you know, kind of playing down and covering tight ends and running backs and stuff without having that big school, like, Alabama. Like, yeah. Like Cam Chancellor was a fifth round pick, but like he was a guy who made all these splash plays and had the big hits and like the cool name and everything. It's Legion like, of boom. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like made it a thing. Yeah. So he, it's like it, pro bowl. Like we've talked about this. It comes down to a lot to marketability. And I think if Chuck starts to get his name out there a little bit better and continues the good play that he's on, then yeah, maybe one day, but you know, it's tough to predict. I actually, I mean, we can get to the Pro Bowl rosters a little later, but I actually think I didn't realize that. The oh, you didn't hear my uh, my solo breakdown of the Pro Bowl rosters. I listened to it, but I just think that like I didn't realize myself that. I thought it was pretty sick. My Mor- my Morgan Cox uh, tape analysis. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Just do an hour um, of long snapper tape analysis. Dude, he deserves it. He's been so so long. He's been so fantastic as a long snapper. It's crazy. Wolfpack. Uh, but yeah, I think the play- I just didn't realize the players and the coaches had more weight in their votes than the fans because they're all a third, a third, a third. Yeah, I didn't realize that it's you know that, and I think that this was a really pre- there was a couple like Marquise Pounty's had a pretty shit year. Uh, any Pittsburgh Steelers fan will tell you that, but I think they did a pretty, 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 pretty good job. Little Larry David, uh, you know, he did the fingers. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. I thought you were trying to say something to me. On oh, audio like, podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I didn't see any like glaring things, but you get all like the Chief and Patriots fans that are mad like their players didn't get in. They were complaining about like Earl Thomas getting in. It's like, guys, like, come on. It's kind of a popularity contest a little bit, but uh, I didn't see anyone that I really like thought was a glaring error that was on the team. Like sometimes there is like I think Weddle made it like even last year and it was like, eh, OK, kind of don't know about that, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, Zero picks in his last 33 games. I love you, Weddle. Eh. But, yeah, so we could see – I could see Chuck Clark maybe, but it's, it might be a little bit tough. He, he'll maybe – if he, I mean, he's a longtime starter. Maybe he has one. Um, and I've, I'll maybe – hopefully I regret that and he makes like seven. But 
We'll see. Then Fernando, Tatito, Capistrano again. I see Hollywood making the Pro Bowl next year, sure. Uh, I think Hollywood's fantastic. Give him a full offseason, get healthy. I think he's displayed everything that you can ask of a wide receiver, especially making some really tough catches, being literally like one of the smallest players in the entire NFL. Uh, his ability to jump through the gym. We saw that Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. He was able to rise up in the red zone, take a shot in the back and make a tough catch. I mean, the toe drag swag this past week, he is actually second. I think I said in a couple of things he was first. I didn't realize Darius Slayton has eight touchdowns, which is crazy. Um, but he's, you know, second among rookie receivers and touchdowns and he's missed a couple games here. So I think he could he break was, the Ravens rookie record. Cause I think Tory had one it was, yeah, one more. I think Tory had it with it was seven. Clarence Moore as well. Clarence Moore. Okay. Who had literally the greatest one hit wonder season like ever. Speaking of that, I think Tory has the overall record with like 11 under Kubiak in 2014, which was nuts. Yes. Because he kind of didn't do anything to start that year, and then he started scoring touchdowns every week. It's like, what is happening? But He had a couple multi-touchdown games. He had the three touchdowns and a couple ones. I think he had two three-touchdown games. I think one came against the Rams his rookie year that as well. God, yeah. I, a lot of, that was I don't like know his why they let go of Torrey Smith. It was so stupid. They did what? I don't know why the Ravens let go of Torrey Smith. And uh, they, well, like, they wanted to keep Jimmy Smith, so I, I kind of get it in that sense make it make it work it sounds like yeah it sounds easy to make it work but they had the flacco contract at the time so let's not be revisionist history guys here whatever whatever um jared williams 97 finally got romo for a game over under over under three times he sneak disses lamar as a passer i saw this comment and i didn't get it like he tony romo was gonna like Tony Romo is like John Gruden. He loves every football player that like literally exists in the world. He won't. He doesn't say negative stuff because I think he's one of the people who realizes you sound like such a dick if you're an announcer and you're like saying a bunch of negative stuff. He kind of like is very cautiously like says that someone's not quite performing up to their usual standard. He'll be like he'll be critical, but he doesn't go personal with it. And then he always has like a, a way they could get back on track, which like obviously that's not the case. That's why he's the best to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, he uh, I mean, like he'll say like I remember he because he did like the Chiefs game last year, the Falcons game, a couple games. <laughs> yeah, we had a, like, we had a good run with him there. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, was, I had him like two or three. Yeah, two. Yeah, he had. I think he had those two, and then he had the Browns at Ravens, which I was at that game, so I didn't get to hear much okay. of it. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And he was like, you know, talking about how Lamar needed to work as a passer, and he obviously did. And that was that true was, at the time. Yeah, I mean, Lamar said it himself a thousand times. Uh, but he was very quick to to sing his praises and talk about. I remember him talking about the Chargers throw. I think I during because I've rewatched the Browns broadcast. I think he was talking. He talked about the Chargers Mark Andrews throw and was like, "That is as good of a throw as you can make as an NFL passer." Like blah blah blah. Um, so I don't think I don't think he'll sneak diss him. I think he's got Lamar's back. I think he'll kind of allude to people doubting him and then talk about how good he is as a passer. So I'm going to go under, under three disses. Maybe one, maybe one. We'll see. Um, then Andy Lee 2000 are the Chiefs, our only real competition in the playoffs. I think maybe not real competition, but I think they're the only other team. Th- like I said, I hit on this already. I think it's going to be Ravens or Chiefs representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Those are the two teams that are explosive enough and consistent enough and can outscore you and defend you and kind of like do multiple things so yeah i totally agree with that and you know at the risk of sounding like a broken record i will just say count bill belichick out at your own peril 
I'm, I'm counting them out, dude. I'm counting them out. Fair enough. Uh, last one is Alex Smearman, our boy. Smearman. Every week. Thank you, Alex. You're always weighing in. If you Greg Roman my does depart, he said, if Greg Roman does depart for a head coaching job, who would you guys like to see replace him? Uh, I think we already touched on that. Yeah, Collie, for me. Did you give oh. an answer? I don't know. I think I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. Maybe Oklahoma's offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. You met you Google that guy, I think. And then just yeah, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but that just like things like that. I want someone like that. Someone who's going to be progressive and have this idea of a modern offense and the play actions, the RPOs, how to use, you know, kind of play to mobile quarterback strengths, someone like that. So I don't really want some, you know, I don't want some West Coast guy coming in. I don't want anything other than someone who's modern and able to do things. I think that people would be chomping at the bit to come run this offense because it is the future of the NFL. I mean, it looks like, and for years it feels like the NFL kind of toyed with the option. It kind of started with the wildcat, the Ronnie Brown wildcat. And then we've seen, you know, the Seahawks have some option, the 49ers obviously, and a couple other teams have really toyed with it. Cam Newton obviously as well. And now it's like if you're not running RPOs, even if, you know, Carson Wentz is your quarterback, Kirk Cousins runs some RPOs, it doesn't mean your quarterback is mobile. It means that you're going to hand the ball off or throw a backside slant. Uh, You don't have to be a fast quarterback to do that. It feels like if you're not doing that, then your offense is kind of lagging behind in the times. And, um, you know, it's time to to move forward. So I think a lot of people would be chomping at the bit to come in and, and take the keys to a Ferrari and did we, like did we officially do we officially decide on a name for this offense you said power pistol right power pistol the, de- the desert eagle the can desert i eagle. can i propose one yeah sure heavy metal i like it okay so heavy because you're running a lot of heavy run packages yeah. metal because you're making you know beautiful music with all the big plays that you're hitting heavy metal i, uh, I kind of stole it from the soccer team I like, be- I like heavy metal but metal is not beautiful music Get the fuck out of here. What, do, what is this? Metal is not beautiful. You're telling me that Metallica is not beautiful music. Uh, no, it's not beautiful. It's f- smack you in the fucking face. Okay, well, whatever it is. Okay, I like heavy metal because they fucking rock and roll. Okay, you smack you in the fucking face with these big plays. Exactly. Yeah, they have metal. They push you downhill. I like it. Heavy metal. I, yeah, I stole it from a soccer team. Um, I'll, I'll um, you know, you know, um, Dude, I'm so scrambled. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway, um, it'll come to you. But, yeah, guys, thank you for the mailbag. We appreciate it. Some good ones this week. A lot of Roman questions. In all candor, I stole it from a soccer team. Yeah, Jake's a soccer thief. Um, But, yeah, so we appreciate you guys. We'll have some other ones coming in. And, obviously, it's uh, it, it feels like we've reached a point for me and also in my writing right now where I am having trouble saying things or or finding topics that i haven't already touched on this team has just been rolling on the same level dom i mean dom how many times they scored 40 points jets rams uh texans they put up 37 on the patriots like and they're doing it in a similar fashion a lot of the time so it's it feels like we're just waiting for the playoffs now to an extent and i feel like i'm excited i can't wait to get things ramped up see how the playoff seating actually works how things start to go down and we can get into it because it's felt imminent for a month now over a month and i mean we have the pro bowl we, we kind of saw some guys get some recognition and things like that but i'm really excited for the playoffs to start and i you know 
you're trying to keep coming up with some new content stuff, but the Ravens just keep kicking ass. And I feel like, you know, it's it's awesome to watch and it's so fun as a fan, but we're waiting on that next step. It feels like we're in purgatory as we know the playoffs are imminent. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, brother. Um, but yeah, I think the content is going to be uh, tremendous moving forward. Got some good interviews lined up. So we're going to see what happens uh, with these final two regular season weeks. Maybe they wind up meeting something, maybe not. But uh, the playoffs are going to be 100% epic. Yes, sir. This has been one. I mean, according to DVOA, this is one of the five best teams of all time. Yeah, it just keeps rising every week. Yeah, they keep blowing people out. So, I mean, it's probably going to keep moving forward. And it's like the 91 Redskins, the 85 Bears, the 07 Patriots, truly dominant teams, teams that went to or won Super Bowls or their company right now with the strength of schedule. I mean, it's it's just crazy at this point. The teams that they've played and thinking about the entire season in retrospect, the teams that they played in. The, I mean, I predicted a loss against the Rams. That was, was going to be a tough game. That's a t- team coming off a Super Bowl win, and they dismantled them. The Texans are, you know, in that class of the AFC kind of realm. They were able to beat the Patriots. Ravens completely took them apart, dismantled them, and sent them home. It was profound to see. I mean, going into Seattle, I don't. No one saw a potential fourteen and two, thirteen and three season coming. I mean, I think I was one of the most optimistic people out there, and I had eleven and five, and that would have, I, you know, I thought the Ravens had a good chance to beat the Patriots and saw a couple matchup things there and stuff. But it's just crazy. The season has been so much fun to watch, and I'm excited for playoff football. Yeah, I mean, it's a far cry from like hoping to go nine and seven, ten and six, and sneak into the wild card, and that's like what I was expecting this year. So it's been pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, and those games around the holidays, you know, like ruining the holidays or making them 10 times better. Yep. Yes. I mean, this is the first relaxing Christmas, New Year's as a Ravens fan in like five, like since Flacco Torres, like since the year that Flacco Torres ACL. I mean, yeah. And I mean, and that was not stressful because they were out of it for like four weeks before. Exactly. Exactly. So we get to rest easy, guys. We get to have a nice holiday season holiday season and uh, enjoy some Ravens football. But yeah, let's send it to the interview. Yeah. So coming up is our interview with Wendell, AKA the kid Gowie. Uh, you can follow him on all social at the kid Gowie. Please do because he is a very funny dude. And uh, with that, we will throw it to him now. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is a guy you're probably familiar with if you are on social media and you're a Ravens fan at all. He's a rapper slash YouTuber slash Ravens fan. It's the kid Gowie. How you doing, man? Did I miss anything there? Uh, no, I think you pretty much captured everything that I am. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad because I feel like I'm seeing you everywhere. You're all over like Instagram and stuff. So, you know, it's 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 a lot going into it. But uh, you're a worker, so I respect that. But Kind of with our new guests, we like to go back to the beginning uh, since we're a Ravens podcast and kind of talk about what got them into being a Ravens fan and some of their earliest memories watching the team. So, you know, maybe touch on some of that a little bit to get us going here. Um, well, actually, uh, I didn't really get into football until like the age of like six. Um, I remember only oh, six. Wow. Huh? Took, you, took you a long yeah, time. It took there. a while. Yeah. Because. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was a real like big kid, so I was like I was just trying to watch cartoons and stuff like that. And I actually used to get like angry whenever they'd cut my cartoons off and football would come on. So eventually, like it grew onto me. And um, of course, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so like the Ravens were like the first team that I really got attached to around that time. Um, so after that, pretty much it was just 
yeah, it's just repping the home team. Um, I've witnessed the Super Bowl wins and everything. So, like, I'm just – I've been a diehard ever since. Hell yeah, man. And when you were growing up, I mean, Ravens, not Ravens, who were your favorite players as you were coming along at the very late age of six starting to like football? Took you a while. Uh, <laughs> um, well, when I first started watching football, like, my favorite Ravens receiver at first was uh, – Michael Jackson, and that was solely based off the name. Hell yeah! But then, like, he was good too. But it was like his name was always attracted attracted me to him because I was like a Michael Jackson fan. On top of that, um, some of the other players, let me think, uh, that I liked in the NFL around that time, like Brett Favre, Troy Aikman. Uh, I, I owned all those guys' jerseys. I was a real fan of the quarterback position. Um, I even had a Vinny Testaverde Ravens jersey. So nice. Uh, I supported Sick. all those guys. Yeah, I mean it's that's kind of that's pretty sick that you have the Testa Verde jersey. I've been looking for that thing on eBay, but no go. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I don't have it. I was like, I don't have it anymore, but I did have. It. True, true. Yeah, I mean, you probably outgrew it at that point, but it's like it's a franchise. The Ravens they're like known for big personalities, and like you're a big personality. Obviously, you're a creative guy. Like, do you think that following them like kind of influenced you in like your creative senses at all? Because you got guys like Ray Lewis and, you know, Terrell Suggs that, you know, aren't kind of afraid to, you know, showcase a personality at all. Do you think that, you know, was an influence or a driving force for you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, just my personality in general, uh, like, even though he wasn't a Ravens player, one of my favorite players of all time was Chad Ochocinco. Uh, of course, we saw him a lot because he was on a rivalry uh, team. But, um, yeah, like people like him, Terrell Suggs, like these guys were goofy. But when it was time to play, like they actually played and they just had like a very big, uh, vibrant personality that came with them. And that's how I feel about how I handle my business. Like I'm a very goofy person. I love to have fun. Uh, I love to stand out with my personality. But when it's time to work, like it's time to work. So that's really uh a big influence to me. And in fact, Terrell Suggs is my favorite Raven of all time. I know a lot of people like Reed, a lot of people like Ray, but once Suggs hit the scene, his personality is what really drew me to him. It was awesome when he kind of took over after Ray and Ed left, and then he had the gladiator helmet on coming out, and he brought like a little more goofy side to the Ravens when he was their leader. So I feel that for sure, but Suggs is obviously an animal on the field. Um, and then, I mean, we are talking about your career. What would you say, you know, got you started into wanting to be, uh, do it all. I mean, comedian, YouTuber, blogger, like all this good stuff. And what would you say is the first thing that really made you blow up and you started getting some attention? You're like, all right, I can, I can go with this thing. Um, honestly, what it was is for some reason, like I always had this, uh, this social media vision, I guess you can say, because, uh, back in like 2011, 2012, um, even before that, uh, I was watching YouTube a lot and there were some guys on YouTube who I felt like I had this similar personality to them. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. But it wasn't until around that 2011, 2012 range is when I actually received my equipment to actually try to pursue that. So I was putting out videos, but I wasn't really doing it consistently. And then I was also rapping as well. So in 2012, like I think it was 2013, actually, uh, the very beginning. So January 3rd, to be exact. I released the Baltimore Ravens anthem and the rant, the anthem actually generated a pretty good buzz. Um, I know some people like Michael Orr, he, uh, no, I think it was Colegio assembly. Like he showed love to it. Um, and a few other people showed love to it and they got played on 98 rock and a whole bunch of stuff. So like, that was like the real big break for me as far as a Ravens fan. Now, if we're talking about social media, 
Um, that was the LeBron James challenge. I did that. It went viral. That was uh, hilarious. Summer of Can you give us one real quick? <laughs> the LeBron challenge? Yeah. Uh, that was more so a visual. So it was like me, like imp- like impersonating him. Not I don't really know, bro. You sound pretty similar. I was gonna say if you can give us an impersonation, that would be pretty dope. But either way. Oh yeah, uh, I could do like the boom, 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 boom. Huh. Hit the rolly so with the rolly on. <laughs> <laughs> that tickles me. That tickles. God, I still, I still remember watching that live and being like, holy shit. I love LeBron, but he is corny sometimes. <laughs> Exactly. And those are the players that I like to impersonate the most because they have a sense of humor. You don't really want to poke fun at people that's not even really like comedic guys because, you know, they take everything to heart. So, like, you'll always see me impersonating people who have that sense of humor about themselves. So is that kind of the point? And then like the anthem, like is all that kind of stuff kind of the point that you maybe were starting to figure out that you could do this as like a full time thing or did that happen a little bit later on for you? Um, I think the like the the anthem and then the videos i feel like it was just all in one because like not to toot my own horn but i always felt like i had a gift and just like being a person with my words and just having uh that creative ability and i always just trying to find different ways to express that so like i used to write for raven's blogs and i used to shout out to uh, us that's what we do and do (laughs) yeah like i used to do all these different things and i'm like I'm going to get my my words out there somehow, and like each each time, I just keep finding something different that I get a lot of love for. So it's just a matter of just trying to branch my name out by doing different things creatively. Yeah, man, you've been killing it. And how do you feel that you've you know necessarily changed or grown as your audience has obviously taken off and you've become this huge presence? Um, I think now it's much easier. I can say. Uh, before it was harder because of course I didn't have the fan base. So it was like trying to figure out what I was going to do in order to be seen. But now that I actually have eyes on me, there's Raven players like Marlon Humphrey, uh, Anthony Levine, Terrell Suggs, like all these guys follow me on Instagram, uh, Lardarius Webb. Like I get a lot of love from them. So it's like, I had that presence already. Um, I've kicked it with them just like on some casual stuff. So it was like, let me just big them up because I know how humble they are. So I was like, let me just start talking trash for them since they don't speak out. And, um, yeah, it's just like having that presence and having that following and knowing that people are actually listening to what I have to say. It's like I have the audience and I'll be just talking my talk. Yeah. So like whenever you put out a video like talking shit on Odo Beckham, I'm just assuming that's like Marlon Humphrey now. Um, But like, have you (laughs) (laughs) so have you like in that sense, like, have you felt the need to kind of change things like as your audience has grown over the years or has it kind of just been more organic for you? Um, it's more so a like go with the flow type thing, because like, honestly, there's some videos that my, my audience loves that I don't like to do anymore because I feel like Mm -hmm. it's played out. So I was like, of course, if I went back to doing the LeBron challenges or something like that, they'd eat that up. Like, I'd probably get way more followers and all this other stuff. But, like, me, I always try to push myself creatively. So I'm like, I can't just keep doing that because then people are going to think that I'm a one-trick pony. So I always try to do something new to try to let them know that I can do this too. So what exactly is your favorite content that you're into right now? I mean, between the sports stuff and then the anthem and the music stuff that you've put out, uh, do you have a preference right now or you just enjoy them as they come? You said you're go with the flow. 
Um, I think out of all the content that I create, my favorite things to do are either the Freestyle Fridays, where I impersonate like the rappers that's in the game right now, or when I do my sports parody. So I might be LeBron James, or I might be Kawhi Leonard, and I'll like rap uh, portraying them. Can you so, do the like, Kawhi laugh? If- Just a quick sidebar. <laughs> okay i just had to get that out there keep going sorry no it's no problem but uh yeah so it's pretty much that stuff um i love to do that and those are my favorite ones because it lets me express my myself also it lets me show my my style as far as like rapping goes because people will be like oh this is dope low-key you should put this on apple music all this other stuff and i was like i'm just playing around honestly just trying to give y'all entertainment while listening to the music at the same time yeah no doubt and i mean you're like as far as the whole sports thing i mean you obviously do all the music stuff like you did the the baby video the other day i thought that was hilarious um, but as far as like yeah. the, the sports side, like you're one of the more like vocal Ravens fans, I'd say that has like a big social following. It's something that we kind of are trying to get into a little bit as we do this podcast, like, and we do our writing and everything. We're trying to grow that a little bit. But as far as guys that have a really legit like social following, I feel like you're one of the more vocal guys who reps the Ravens. So like, do you think the success of the season, like for the team has helped with your numbers at all? Um, of course, because uh, a lot of people are checking for the Ravens now. I mean, you see how Lamar Jackson's jerseys are harder than get harder to get than a pair of Jordans these days. Like, it's really crazy. So, um, yeah, just the success that they have, Lamar's success as an individual, is bringing a lot of attention to the Ravens. So, like, when I put these videos out, even if you're not a Ravens fan, you're going to come to my comments to talk trash. So maybe your team plays the Ravens next, and it's like oh, well, you guys aren't going to beat us. And it's like, okay, like, we'll see. And then, like, it just, the engagement happens because a lot of people are checking in on the Ravens because they're the topic of discussion as of right now, being the best team in the league. I mean, yeah, they're featured on ESPN. Like, every, you can watch Sports Center any given day of the week now, and they will allude to Lamar Jackson if there's not there's, some, like, There's Stephen A. every day finding a reason, like, why their win wasn't impressive, like, over the weekend, so. <laughs> exactly. It is so it's so hilarious to me because it's like, if like, uh, if you're being, if you've been a Ravens fan for a long time, like you know, the, seeing the Ravens on TV was damn near impossible. It was like they did not want to talk about the Ravens at all. It didn't matter if we was on a Super Bowl run or anything. Like Ravens did not get any love, and now we have Lamar Jackson, who's possibly one of the most electrifying players that we ever seen. And now it's just like the Ravens are always on TV now. Lamar Jackson, his juice. Oh, he's the youngest to do this. It's like. It's, it's it's crazy to me. We're like, hey man, shut it. up! You guys aren't supposed to do this. Yeah, like, right. Shut up. Right. <laughs> but yeah, where was your head at with this team heading into this season? I mean, I was a guy who was very optimistic, and Jake was too a good bit. Did you think they'd be doing? I mean, quite this well? And were you expecting them to keep building on what Lamar did in their second year? I mean, what were your thoughts heading into the year? Um. Well, one of the funniest things is that. I actually predicted that the Ravens were going to draft Lamar Jackson, like still during the college season. So when the day that we actually got him and I found out that I was right, like I almost lost my mind. Like I was just, I didn't care about anything that was going on, but the fact that we had Lamar Jackson. So the fact that we actually got him, I just felt like I had so much faith in him because I wanted him to be our quarterback. I saw the potential in him. So when I actually saw him play, I was like, just give him a year to sit because, of course, you got to, like, adjust to the speed of the game. And then, of course, Flacco went down. So when he got his opportunity, 
you know, a lot of people were giving him a hard time. He can't throw. He can't do this, that, and the third. And I'm like, look, just give him a year to adjust to the speed of the game, and he'll be a threat. And I even have, like, tweets to support what I'm saying right now. And so now what I'm seeing is, like, I expected him to be good, but I didn't expect him to be MVP good. Like, I wasn't – like, right. he, like, he just completely just blew up and just changed the – like, he's changing the game, as we know. Like, it's just crazy. So – um, to answer your question, I expected them to be good, but this good, like they're really going crazy. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't, I'm not gonna say I didn't believe it, but I didn't see it to be this good. Like I knew they would be legit though. So you were like super pumped when they drafted Lamar, obviously. And like, kind of, so you're really pumped about the season he's having then, I guess, because I know I was like pretty jacked up about him too, but I wasn't expecting this at all. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Like, like I said, that was. I called it during the – he was still playing for Louisville when I called it. I was like, it wasn't during the draft time, none of that. I was like, Ravens always – because in my mind, I felt like the Ravens always needed a dual threat because whenever Flacco got sacked or he had to throw the ball away or whatever the case may be, people would make the excuse that our O-line was bad. And I was like, well, we can't keep putting the blame on the O-line. And if it is the O-line, let's get ourselves a dual threat quarterback so he can just run out the pocket whenever the the line does collapse. So I was just thinking in my mind, like Lamar Jackson, like you're not going to find a better runner as a quarterback than him. And Ozzie made the move, and now we have Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, as far as the big personalities on the team and the actual team, is, is Lamar your favorite guy, or is there someone else that you identify with and is, I mean, your favorite dude at this time? Um, Lamar may be my favorite player as far as just like skill set goes and just like how his mindset and how humble he is. But if I had to pick like a favorite player on the team as of right now, um, and it's, it's not a biased pick, but I'm actually cool with Marlon Humphrey. Uh, he would probably be my guy just because like I saw the potential in him as well. And he's also funny. Like he, like he's, he's one of the funniest dudes on the team. So, uh, like I said, I'm usually attracted to personalities and, just that humor, I can relate to him more uh, than a Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar, he's more like laid back, chill. And I'm sure he probably has a goofy side too, but I see it more out of Marlon. Like he's just like, he, 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 he broadcasts it. I mean, it's a perfect segue for another one we had written down. I mean, Mark Ingram's fucking hilarious. Who's, who's funnier, do you think, you or Mark Ingram? Uh, Ingram, <laughs> Ingram is hilarious. After the after the big trust thing and the the, the Mar Jackson see me like, right. I love it because he's the he's the one that's really going to talk the talk on the team. Like everybody else seems to just be humble, quiet. I think Mark is the one that's going to step up and be like, look, this is what it is, and this is how I'm going to say it. If you got a problem with it, then come see me. Like it's just, I love that. That's the that's the personality that I like from him. So that's kind of like what I try to do, but I'm on the outside, so it's it's easier for me to do it versus them. Right. Mark definitely has a TV future. Like last year and the last couple of years, he's had the, ooh, look at the details, and then big trust. And yeah. just, just the way he had those crazy eyes when he was talking about Lamar the first time, that Bulldog. was like the funniest part of it for me. Um, there's obviously so exactly. many personalities on this team now. I mean, do you think you could beat Justin Tucker one-on-one rap battle? Easily. <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny. You know, with Tucker, it. if you had that. Go ahead. If you hear that, let, let, I, I want to smoke. 
I need that. <laughs> I mean, that's what you need want, to get that set up. That's what you want to hear in a rap battler, though. But like with Tucker, it's funny because like you always like hear players or like coaches saying like, yeah, you know, he's not as cool as he like thinks he is. Like you get the sense that he's always churching himself up in the locker room and stuff. So that's pretty funny. But like in the same vein as like those two questions, like if you could collab on like a video or any piece of content with like anyone on this team, it could be like players or coaches or anyone. Who would it be? With the Ravens right now, it would probably be Mark Ingram because I feel like he has that personality that uh, would be perfect for a video. Yeah, we need to get that. So like, that like coordinated. you guys said, like yeah, like with the crazy eyes and just how animated he is, like we could definitely go off each other's energy and just make some crazy content that people will love. Yeah, he definitely has a magnetic personality. Um, but yeah, the Ravens are at a good place right now. We've touched on it a bit, 12-2, and two, looking like they're going to smack up on the Browns, hopefully. That's what Jake and I both see coming, I believe. What are your expectations as far as the rest of the season plays out, and where do you see this team going? Uh, my expectations for the rest of the season, I honestly think that we will uh, smack the Browns, uh, not only because of the, the trash talk and the, the loss in Week 4, but uh, pretty much because this will give us home field advantage. So I know the guys are going to be fully locked in. They want to have that first round by and all that other good stuff. So they're going to go all in this week. Um, next, the, the the following week against Pittsburgh, I don't, I'm not sure if the starters are going to play or not. I heard that uh, RG3 may get the start and I still think we'll be able to win that game. But uh, I just, it just all depends on if the guys are going to play their hardest or are they going to take their foot off the pedal a little bit just so they can rest up for the playoffs. Um, as far as the playoffs go, I think Ravens have a very good chance if they continue to play with the intensity that they're currently playing with because they're playing as a unit right now. And you can't really find that with a team is usually lopsided. Like maybe one side is more dominant than the other, but Ravens play like they have like a, such a balanced team uh, defensively and offensively. So as long as they stick to their guns, um, they change up their looks that they gave the teams during the regular season because that was our issue last year against the Chargers. Uh, we didn't make any changes offensively when we played them the second time. Then I think we can actually make a run for the Super Bowl and possibly win. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's you know kind of all trending in a positive direction right now. You got to think that they're planning big time for the playoffs already. As far as like how you plan things out with your content, like are you already kind of planning stuff for the playoffs for the Ravens or you just kind of play that stuff by ear? How does that work? Cause it seems like some of your reaction videos are a little more off the cuff. Yeah. They're usually just spontaneously done. Like sometimes of course I'll have things in mind that I would say if like the game goes the way that I projected it would. Um, but mainly it's like after the game and I'll look at to see what people are talking about. And I just like register those things and I'm like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going to talk about. Um, but as far as the playoff goes, you know, you never want to do that thing where you kind of jinx them. And it's funny because, like, that Ravens, that Ravens anthem actually came before playoffs started. So it was like I didn't know if I was jinxing them or not, but it actually worked out in our favor and we won the Super Bowl. So I may talk, but then again, it's like, because eh, I know that the backlash if we end up losing is going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, we're looking forward to it, man. We really love your stuff. We're really appreciative that you came on for us here. Hope you had fun. Um, before we get you out of here, oh, could, yeah. I, could I ask you a favor? Yeah, for sure. Say this back to me. This is Kid Gowie, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. Now I got to remember that off the top of my head. <laughs> is, it, is it that hard? Come on, man. I thought you were a performer. Or you can say, like, number three podcast in the world. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes it easier. <laughs> okay, so 
I'm I repeat that one more time and I'm I'm gonna get it. This is the Kid Gowie, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. This is the Kid Gowie, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown, the number one best podcast in the country. Okay, you almost nailed it. We'll take what we can get. Appreciate it, man. And uh, thanks a ton. We, this was a lot of fun, dude. We got to get you back. Is there anything on some... you want to plug before you get out of yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Content coming up. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, tell them where to follow you and everything. Follow... Yeah, so anybody that wants to follow me is literally uh, the Kid Gowie on everything. That's D A K I D G O W I E. Once again, D A K I D G O W I E. I'm on YouTube. SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, anything. Just type it in. I bet you'll find me. Awesome. Well, everyone should do that because you are an awesome follow and uh, one of the best Ravens voices on social media. So thanks a ton, man. And I hope you have yourself an awesome weekend here and an awesome rest of the season. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. No problem. Thank you for having me. Later. Take it easy. Okay. So jumping into the game. I don't know, like not a lot to hit on. You know, it's like Ravens going into Cleveland. Browns are five and eight at this point. Uh, Ravens 12 and two. If they win this game, it seems like all indications pointing to them locking up the one seed. So big game in that respect. Like you want to have the you know playoffs go through Baltimore. I mean, it's a hu- it's a huge game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Browns. I talked about it a little bit with Sessler. It's been a complete nightmare of a season in comparison, especially to the expectations that you don't usually see around there at the old uh, mistake on the lake. But, uh, yeah, expectations were high. Things have not gone well. Their highlight of the season has been uh, beating the Ravens in Baltimore 40 to 25. Their fans don't really talk about that too much, but that did, in fact, happen. Yeah. And so here we are, Ravens 12 and two chance to knock the Browns out of the playoffs entirely and secure the number one seed. So uh, initial thoughts from you, Dr. Schultz. So this is the string of events that needs to happen. It's like basically how the universe was created for the Browns to make the playoffs. The Browns have less than a 1% chance, according to uh, ESPN and I believe Football Outsiders as well, to make the playoffs. So they would need to, and it might need some water before this, the Browns need to beat the Ravens. The Chiefs need to beat the Bears. The Saints need to beat the Titans. The Patriots need to beat the Bills. The Texans need to beat the Buccaneers. And the Colts beat the Panthers in Week 16. Then in Week 17, the Browns would beat the Bengals. The Ravens would beat the Steelers. The Chiefs would beat the Chargers. The Patriots would beat the Dolphins. The Texans would beat the Titans. And the Colts beat the Jaguars. Huh. That is what the Browns currently need. But it all does start with the Browns getting a win against the Ravens. And... Just going back to week four, the last time the Ravens lost, that was an incredibly disappointing game. I was I was fucking pissed yeah. leaving Ravens Stadium after that game. I was pissed. The most kind of irritated I've been in like a non-playoff implication game, even on like a especially on like a per play thing, was that Nick Chubb touchdown grinded my gears for literally like a month afterwards. Um, and it was a great play call. The Browns saw that they could kind of run a sweep, but actually have it be like a power where Chubb would just cut upfield instead of kind of running the boundary. There was no Brandon Williams in that game among Jimmy Smith, Paco Pico, Josh Bynes, LJ Fort. I mean, Jalen Ferguson wasn't playing then a, a ton. Uh, Pernell McPhee was still active at that point. 
Um, it was, you know, Tony Jefferson was in and not Chuck Clark. That was the week before Tony Jefferson got hurt. So Marcus Peters was yet to be acquired. So, I mean, it's a completely different defense now at this point and really a different offense as well because the Ravens didn't find their rhythm necessarily. I mean, in Seattle, they had two defensive touchdowns. So they didn't really find their offensive rhythm until, you know, kind of halfway through the year they started to really light teams up. It felt like probably in that Patriots game is where things started to truly click. Uh, and the Browns kind of put the Ravens they in their place. And Dude, I was like, you're talking about angry. Like, I was depressed walking out of that game. I was like, all right, like this shit again. Like, I we went into that game. I was pretty confident. I don't know if I even was revealing of that coming on the podcast because like I didn't want to get hurt. But I was like, yeah, we're gonna fucking beat them. Like, we're gonna be three and one. Uh, the Ravens are going to be three and one. Excuse me, journalistic integrity uh, preserved there. Uh, but they're gonna be three and one, and you know they're gonna be a good team this year for real. And. It was just a complete throttling ever since the Ingram fumble. The game was pretty much over. Chubb ripped off the big run, and it was like, here we go again, like eight and eight, nine and seven, and it's just the same old bullshit. Right. Like, and yeah, it, it just it left a completely sour taste in my mouth that obviously since then it's been rectified, but I think it would come full circle if they could go into first energy or whatever the fuck it's called and beat them. NRG, first energy, first, like en- that. first energy. No, NRG is te- the Texans. Excuse yeah, me. I don't it's know first why. energy. I think yeah. that. Never mind. I don't know. I just got in a weird brain wave. But uh, yeah, so that game was really paramount for the Ravens' season in exposing weaknesses, and the Ravens were able to have truly and honestly evaluate. All right. that, yeah, like in that sense, it was necessary. Like I think I saw Chibs talking about this a couple weeks ago on Twitter about how like the that game happening was the impetus for them making the changes that they made, like getting rid of some of these linebackers that weren't producing trading for Marcus Peters uh, in what was if it weren't for that Chubb touchdown run, even if the Browns still won, maybe they don't make all those changes. Yeah. And maybe we don't know about the value of somebody like Brandon Williams, who people were very down on coming into the season because he, of him. Not I was. I yeah. openly was. No, so was I. So like, <laughs> I think Voss uh, would maybe murder the guy if he saw him in person, uh, if he could. Um, but <laughs> so true. Yeah, he, I think he's 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 cool with him now. I think he's yeah. But I mean, that's really what, that's here. like this game. That was the impetus for that happening. Like him, it proved his value. Him not being in that game and Chubb thoroughly dominating them on the ground, and then him coming back and I would run about five hundred to know what Earl Thomas said to Brandon Williams in the locker room. I think he missed the game due to like some personal matter, and Earl was like, "That dude, that's bullshit. Like you got to keep that, you know, in your personal life." Which you know, I could. Chubb's- I could have some job. Yeah. Like I could have some mixed feelings on that, but like at the end of the day, he was kind of right because Williams is crucial to this team. And what he was saying was, look, man, you're a very strong player. We need you out there. So what I kind of heard was that he was basically saying you're a pro bowler. Like we fucking need you. Like if you can play, you have to play. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's Um, like the Jarvis Landry thing on hard knocks. Like you guys got to be out there. Exactly. That's exactly. I feel like what it was. And that, I mean, that happened because of that game. Brandon Williams has been a fucking killer since that game. He's making, I think he's made, I was kind of trying to keep like a loose tie. I think he's made eight tackles over 15 yards downfield since that game happened. 15 so, yards downfield. So he's hustling his ass off. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was Kenny Young, Owasso, and I mean, Jihad Ward has been at it since then. So it's a completely different defense. The Ravens offense had kind of a tough time in that game a little bit. It was, I think it was 10, seven at half and the Ravens were kind of struggling. Then uh, right when they got it to 24 to 18, the Ravens scored a touchdown. And then uh, 
the Chubb run happened and Lamar kind of tried to take some shots downfield, got picked off on that, you know, uh, questionable little no PI there. And allegedly Stephen Jones, who's one of the guys on the rules board, whatever the NFL is saying that the, the review of the defensive pass interference is going to be eliminated next year. And uh, good, like good. Yeah. I mean, it's like what I was saying all off season that this is just not worth it. It's completely reactionary and it's going to, ruin some games and people are going to be very angry. Uh, it, you know, can't it basically puts a microscope on mistakes. I'm not happy to be right about that because yeah, it, it, you know, it was something where you kind of hope for the best on it. It's like, you know what, maybe they could, you know, kind of resolve pass interference a little bit because it's something that's been murky and it obviously screwed the saints, but it's, you know, it kind of, other than that saints game, it just didn't really feel all that broken. So maybe don't try to fix it, but whatever, that's a whole nother tangent, I guess. Yeah, um, so we saw a couple picks there, and then there were a couple blown coverages. I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones had like a 60-yard catch up the seam. That was It was just Jarvis, all short throws. Like, he was just picking them apart, throwing short and Baker underneath. Baker attempted one pass over 20 yards. Yeah, and he threw a pick. Like, he didn't play that well. It was just Chubb running all over them, and then the guys making plays after Jarvis the catch. Landry had like a 60-yard catch and run on like a drag. Like, the defense was not tackling. I don't know what it was. Landry was going bananas, and then I don't think Odell did a ton. They, but. they ran that, like— jet sweep speed option with Landry and Odell Beckham and got down to like the one. And then another instance, I remember they got down to the red zone and Chubb just fucking carved up. It was like, they were going no huddle. Judon was like huffing and puffing. It's like in Madden when you like the players, like body is swaying and Judon was huffing and puffing, barely put a paw on Chubb. Chubb skated across Judon. And then I think it was Owasso and then Thomas. And then he like fucking broke Maurice Kennedy and sent his helmet flying off without touching him somehow or something. Um, so the Browns really shit pumped the Ravens in that game, especially Nick Chubb. And it was just weird because the Ravens were able to bottle Chubb up so effectively in week 17. I think he had like 17 carries for 70 or 75 yards and uh, did a great job containing him. And Owasso was a huge factor in doing that in week 17 of last year. Um, So now, I mean, we got LJ Ford in there. We're seeing Josh Bynes in there and Chuck Clark down in the box and Brandon Williams is healthy. So the Browns offense is powered by the NFL's leading rusher and Nick Chubb, who truly had one of the greatest quotes of all time uh, coming out of Georgia. And it was a reporter who asked him and said, you know, you're not really big on Twitter or Instagram and we don't really hear a lot out of you. Uh, You know, what is that? What's your take on social media? And he said, you know, you don't see advertising for a Lamborghini. Mm, I like that. That's an all time quote. Um, I think he might've taken that from somewhere. I think I've heard. heard Yeah, he probably did. But he also like, he he's just is that kind of dude. Like I remember the hard knocks when he's like arriving at the airport and like everyone's kind of like standing around and they're like, Hey man, like, are you a football player? He's like, yep. And they're yeah, like, he's, okay. He's yeah. like, yeah, what's your name? Nick. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, like sick. Like, I guess you're not going to talk to me, but you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I mean, their rushing attack is 10th in the league, averaging five yards a clip. Kareem hunt is now a factor in this game. And the Browns have been doing some weird stuff with them, running some old school kind of uh, offset power stuff or Nick Chubb. A lot of receiving uh, action for Hunt, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been a huge factor for them. Because, I mean, you can't really – you want to keep giving Nick Chubb the rock. He's leading the NFL in rushing yards and is destroying people on a weekly basis. But uh, they've been running some some – 
I don't want to say rinky dink because they've been working, but some like old school kind of offset power eye, both of them down in a three point stance stuff. And Kareem Hunt lead blocking for Nick Chubb, which is not how I saw that going exactly. But uh, yeah, Hunt has definitely been a factor, especially in fantasy as well. He does catch a lot of passes and we all know how dangerous Kareem Hunt is. Uh, And their offense at the same time has just continued to be up and down and struggle passing wise since that game. Really, the Browns have not done a ton. The wins that they've had have come over the Steelers in that now famous Miles Garrett fiasco. They beat the Bills at home. Uh, they beat the Dolphins, where they kind of put put some on them there. They beat the Bengals. Um, their other win was against the Jets. So the only teams they really beat are the Bills and the Ravens. And, I mean, two tough defenses but the Ravens weren't playing tough. The Ravens allowed over 500 yards in that game, and we talked about kind of some of those changes, and now it has turned into a full-fledged dumpster fire in Cleveland with Landry and players apparently begging, you know, come get me from the Cardinals and all that stuff. So, Sessler sounded thoroughly defeated in our interview. It's so disappointing because they have the best personnel that they've ever had. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they should have won 11 games this year. That's what I expected, but... I don't know, like with the way that it played out, we don't have to go too crazy on the analysis. We already hit some good points here. What do you expect to be different in this game than what happened uh, back in week four? Well, Marcus Peters, you can't attack underneath and you can't get rid of the ball super quickly. Earl Thomas is down in the box a lot now. Chuck Clark has been highly effective. uh, So I don't think those quick hitters are going to be there. And that's bad news bears for the Browns because their offensive line sucks on ice. Baker is, as Rex Ryan said, a one read and rollout guy. And that's, you know, pretty damn true. He has not shown a, a great proficiency to trust his pocket. or. I his guess uh, what he was doing last year didn't wind up being sustainable. Yeah, with this shit offensive line they have. And I mean, whatever Freddie Kitchens has installed. Basically, they just have like a they had like a crazy vertical offense with a horrible offensive line. So you want Baker to hold the ball for three seconds, but they're getting beat. So he's got a lot of pressure in his face. I still do like Baker as a quarterback. I still do think he's very. Yeah, no, all jokes aside, I think he can definitely still be a good quarterback. It's just uh, it's been, you know, a a fun year, um, given all the punditry that was going on prior to the season regarding him and uh the quarterback it was just a bad team. signing in Freddie Kitchens. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, which is weird because I was actually kind of high on the move. It's like, why not just keep the guy in place that had him rolling? But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of I'm usually the guy that's a little more level headed with that stuff. And it's like you need a real head coach in there. Like, I, that's why I was so against like them being good under Hugh Jackson, even when they had some of that talent. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just got a little caught up in the hype as well. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter because uh, their season is pretty much over. I mean, on that note, do you want to go ahead and give us some predictions? Yeah, I'm going to go. I think that as petty as this Ravens team secretly is with like social media stuff, I think they want to f- completely decimate the Browns. They can eliminate them from the playoffs. I think that Lamar saw and heard and watched that little uh, Baker make Mayfield him throw thing. Yeah. Yes. I think that sound bite was seen and heard. Now, Lamar is one touchdown pass away from doubling Baker Mayfield's touchdown pass total. Uh, So I believe this could be another. I think there's going to be a 300 yard passing game out of Lamar Jackson. Um, Denzel Ward has not been playing up to snuff. Their defense has been quitting a lot. The Cardinals just fucked them up 
in the second half, like really badly and Kenyon truly, Drake. jeez, yeah, truly defeated them. Kyler Murray was running all over them and stuff. So I'm I'm seeing a, I'm gonna say thirty eight to twenty, uh, Ravens win and they send the Browns home for the year to play golf. Ravens forty, Browns twenty five. <laughs> I like it. You know, I had Flip to table had to throw that in there, but uh, yeah. So I guess that's all we got. Uh, should we get out of here? Let's get out of here, buddy. All right. So that is another week of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the three episode week. That's what we're planning on doing next week. We got somebody planned uh, for next Wednesday, but more on that later. Uh, until then, uh, really hope you guys enjoy the show. You can. Follow it wherever you're currently listening, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're getting it. Be sure to uh, subscribe to it. Leave a five-star review. And I think you can only do the five-star review uh, thing on iTunes, so be sure to go and do that for us because that bumps us up the charts. Uh, But, yeah, you can check out all of our written stuff on BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Yeah, and then you can follow us on social media. Follow the show at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow Spencer at Ravens4Dummies. That's the number four. And you can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U. Q-U-E, and follow the website itself at Be More Beatdown. Also, follow the Instagram. We do a lot of good stuff on there. That's where we do our mailbags a lot. So that's Baltimore.Beatdown, right? Baltimore underscore Beatdown. Let me double check. I think Baltimore, Baltimore underscore Beatdown. Uh, and then the final note, one thing I just realized is that we are currently sitting at 99,486 downloads on the year. So this, so this episode will take us over the top for sure. And we really appreciate you guys. Jake kind of took this thing over, what, March, April? Yeah, it was like April. It was right after the draft. So Right was, after the draft. Yeah, and like then it was April, him and Vaz. And then Vaz, obviously, we've talked about this. It was a little busy. And then Jake invited me to come on. And, I mean, we kind of took this thing as our baby and have really run with it. I'm very proud of the work that we've done on here. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened so far. This has been a fantastic year for Jake and I both. And I'm really excited to see what, you know, happens in 2020. Holy crap. It's a new decade, but uh, we will continue growing. And to all the people who have reached out on Twitter, on Instagram, emailing the Baltimore Beatdown page, everything. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the support. It is so much fun to be able to do this podcast and uh, try and, you know, bring good content and, our stupid perspectives and whatever we can give to you guys and had so much fun doing the mailbags and watching this team. I mean, it's been fantastic timing for Jake and I both to watch this team take off the way that they have. And obviously that's been good for business, but we are both huge Ravens fans as well. If you could not tell, uh, we also drink alcohol and sick sick. and it's been a blast. We love all of our listeners for sure. We genuinely appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we are going, I'm going to declare this of now in the playoffs. I am going to try to set up a big, big, big tailgate. Cause I'm sure a lot of people in the area will be wanting to go to those playoff games. So see if we can get a bunch of listeners out and see if I can, you know, buy some thirties and some things of the sort and have, you know, some food and whatnot set up and get a little tailgating spot and see if we can have ourselves a little time as the Ravens will be hosting a home playoff game. One at the least. Uh, we appreciate you guys. This is, you know, we're not to the end of the year yet, but this has been a great 2019 for us. And we thank you guys so much. Yeah. I mean, knowing me, like, you know, I'm hoping for the irony that like this somehow doesn't get the like 500 downloads or whatever it's going to need to get <laughs> to get to 100 K. But yeah, no, in all seriousness, it's been if like, we got 99,000, like 989. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what I'm ho- hoping for. But yeah, dude, it's been a ton of fun. I mean, just starting this thing up, I had no idea how it was going to go. 
I had had a little experience with podcasting, but like it wasn't really like that good or anything. And, you know, you kind of doubt your abilities sometimes when you start doing something like this. But uh, it's been a ton of fun uh, learning and everything. And I hope you guys have enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I've gotten to get to know this beautiful young man across from me. That's been uh, a great. Uh, Couldn't do it without him. Couldn't do it without you guys. You are awesome listeners. Uh, shout out to all the OGs, Angie Hester, Pluke Surfs, everyone, you know, we don't want to miss anyone, obviously, but, uh, just include yourself into that, uh, you know, that whole, uh, you know, cadre of people that are following Adam us, Jones, Adam Nico Jones, Cantalupo. Smearman, um, yeah, everyone that's, you know, getting involved week to week, we really appreciate it because, uh, you never know, like when you put something creative out there, like, are people going to respond to this? And like, you know, we're still like relatively small, obviously, but like even just the engagement that we've gotten just this year, I mean, we started doing this thing five, six months ago and it's a hundred K downloads in a year. So that's pretty legit. And like getting some of the guests that we've been able to get, like, that's kind of something I've been really passionate about. Like when you're doing something like this, it's kind of, you get addicted to the creative process in a way. And I think like reaching out and getting good guests is something that I stimulates you. It stimulates. It does. Yeah. Like I found myself like, yeah, you're like chasing a high almost like, can I get this good guest? Are we going to nail the interview? And like when you do, and we've done that pretty much every time. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's something that I've grown to, you know, really We've definitely be- had our growing pains and stuff, getting everything together. I mean, at one point I interviewed Kenny Young for this podcast and we had <laughs> the some lost sort of Kenny thing. Young tapes, the, co- the lost Kenny Young tapes. Uh, and some weird stuff happened with Skype and it was like a 20 minute interview. I had so much fun interviewing him. It was the first time I'd interviewed a player and I was, you know, like I was like buzzing afterwards. As soon as I go click play, something weird happened with them patching me through to him with the Ravens PR department. And it was like I the audio just didn't come through and it was super, super low. And I spent maybe 25 hours trying to to save the audio and ended up just making an article and stuff. So we've had our highs. We've had our lows. It's been a fantastic year. Uh, Jake has spent so much time, like he said, getting those interviews. And uh, that's really been, for the most part, I mean, I think pretty much all of our interviews have been Jake reaching out to people. So he, he's done a fantastic job with that. He's also been producing the show. And me and him both have kind of dilly-dallied with figuring stuff out and trying to make the show better. So we appreciate you guys growing with us, listening with us, and we're going to keep on chugging along. So Yeah, reach out, tell your friends, you know, kind of do what you got to do to get this thing growing for us because it uh, – Just some merch coming soon. We'll probably do that in the off season, get that fired up. Yeah, we're working on that right now. Um, maybe some shirts and stuff like that. We don't know if we do like a wide release or anything. Maybe put out some feelers to see like how many people would necessarily be interested. But we have some cool designs. Uh, coming up for the show specifically. So, uh, yeah. Also, one final note as well is that so through the offseason and, and Jake kind of just had this idea and then let me know uh, we're going to be covering the draft. I've kind of mentioned that on the show that I'm addicted to the draft. I'm going to be m- probably more active on Twitter throughout draft season. I love it, too. So I'm going to be in the mix yes. there as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll be coming to you, bringing all kinds of guests and stuff, getting some draft nerds on with us to talk draft. Uh, but also, Jake has kind of started another baby for the off season, which is going to be more of a historical take. And going back, we're going to have some kind of evergreen episodes that are going to be coming and doing the history of Baltimore football, kind of from the start of the Baltimore Colts and bringing you some episodes on that. Because I mean, to be honest, Jake and I were just talking about this and he just presented this idea to me and I think it's fantastic. We're going to run with it, but he wanted to get in and go through the history of the Baltimore Colts and 
you know, how dominant they were through the years with Raymond Barry, Art Donovan, Johnny Unitas, those guys, and what the that team meant to Baltimore going up through multiple episodes of them leaving and then the Ravens coming back from the Browns and then the initial draft and some of the Super Bowls. So we're going to be doing some historical episodes, some evergreen episodes, some stuff that you can listen to on a long drive in the summer and stuff like that. So we're going to when you're some, sitting some, in uh, when you're sitting on like route, uh, what is it like 97 or whatever, trying to get down to. OC, seven. yeah, yeah, or whatever it is. No, it's. I don't think it's seven. Oh, to OC, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. fifty business fifty. Yeah, and you're just like trapped in traffic. Like you'll you'll hear in our voices. So yeah, yeah, definitely like more on that later. It's like definitely still in early development, but it's something that's gonna we're gonna try to do ahead of time so we don't have to jump into the studio twice every week, but also allow you guys to get two episodes per week. So it's something that uh, we're kind of budgeting out right now and trying to figure out. But uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, yeah, big things to come. A lot of big things have happened. This has been a whirlwind as we kind of uh, just jumped right in and figured things out and, and made it work. So, again, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. We're excited for 2020. Yep. Shout out to you guys. And uh, with that, peace out. See ya. You see, oh, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. I love see, sacks take me out of my game. I like running folks down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, I like that. You in the gun. I like body. that bump of grass. <laughs> 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 he, he like the trench work. That boy yeah. like to get down. Like down and dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm that's saying. My, hey. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and I bang, bang, bang all day. <laughs>